This morning, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 8 this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And if you get there and you don't mind standing to your feet for the reading of God's Word, that would be great. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 this morning. This is what the Bible says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word today, we ask for you to speak to every heart and every mind. Lord, open us up to hear and receive today. And Lord, let us not just be hearers of the word, but let us be doers of your word, that it may transform us and walk, lead us into walking in a new life, in new ways. God, we love you and we thank you. And in your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a piece of work. Now, look at yourself and say, I'm a piece of work. Well, some people are more willing to tell your neighbor you're a piece of work than you are tell yourself you're a piece of work. But how many know today that we are all a work in progress? Amen. We are all a work in progress. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 is... is telling us that we are under construction, that we are God's workmanship this morning. Uh, he starts out telling us that uh, it's not by our own work that we are saved. It is by God's grace through faith that we are saved. How many are grateful today that we just simply have to believe, repent, and obey? We don't have to try to save ourselves because Lord knows we can't save ourselves from our own messes. But we have a good, gracious God that by His great mercy sent His Son to die on a cross for us that we may be saved and forgiven and enter into eternal life. But until we get to that eternal life, there's this thing that has to happen in our life where God has to work on us a little bit. You see, the, the ultimate goal of our salvation is heaven, but during that time, uh, the Bible tells us that we are a work in progress. We are being made and created into the image of Christ. Amen? And so I want us to un understand today this construction process and this work that we are undergoing within ourselves. Because there, there is this thing that, that some people believe that when you are saved, you have made it, you have arrived, you're good to go. And although you may be saved and on your way to heaven, there is still more for you to experience in God. And salvation is not the finish line, it is the starting line. And, and many times we, we think, oh, I'm saved, I can, I'm good to go, and I've got it all figured out, and I've I got it all set up. And I think I learn every day that I don't have it as figured out as I thought I did the day before. Amen? If we're going to be honest, we can evaluate ourselves and say, I am not uh, anywhere near where I need to be quite yet. But I have good news for you today, and that is God is working on all of us. 
He has put his hands upon us and he is shaping us and molding us into who he wants us to be. And today we are his workmanship. And that is good news to know that we are his workmanship because first of all, it means that we belong to him. We belong, we, we, we have been bought with a price. The blood of Christ has purchased us as a ransom from our sins, and we now belong to God. We are his possession and his people. And, and I know that doesn't sound super profound and glamorous, but you got to understand the power of belonging to God. You see, when you belong to God, you have the full access of all of his power and all of his glory and all of his mercy in your life. When we belong to Him, He cares for us. Because we belong to Him, we are His special prize. Something He cherishes and cares for deeply. And it is so important for us to understand, first of all, that we are His. Because understanding that we are His gives us the understanding that He is going to take good care of us as He guides us through and molds us and shapes us into all that He wants us to be but also with understanding that we are His workmanship leads us to have an understanding that it's His plan for our life, not our plan. Which is good news and bad news all in one. The good news is, is that His plan is perfect and wonderful and great and it's going to bring glory unto His name and it may lead people to salvation through following His plan for your life. But the bad news is, is you don't get to follow your plan for your life. See, when you come into ownership and you come into this belonging to God in your life, you forfeit your old life. People will say, well, the Bible says God gives you the desires of your heart. That's a misquotation of that scripture. What it really means is God puts desire in our heart to begin with. All of a sudden, you desire Him. You desire the things He desires. And your heart begins to line up with His plan for your life. But you got to understand that this plan is a perfect plan. Where although you thought your plan was a good plan, the reality of it is, is most of the time our plans in our, in our life don't line up to where we would be serving God with our life. If I can be honest with you, I originally never had any desire to do anything with ministry because I grew up in a church where my parents were in leadership of the church. I saw all the stress and the heartache. I was very close to people who were pastors. I had family members who were in ministry, and I saw the struggles, and I saw the hardship, and I said, I don't want anything to do with that. I think I want to do something different, and my goal was to make as much money as humanly possible, and so I can go buy a mountain, buy an entire mountain, and go live on it by myself and do nothing but fish and hunt all day every day. That's, that was my original plan. But as you can obviously tell, that plan did not come to fruition because God did something called ransoming me and capturing my heart and changing my heart and giving me the desires of my heart. Not that he gave me the desire to own a mountain, but rather he gave me the desire to serve him and to follow him, whether it be on a mountain or in a valley. And so far, that has been the best plan and the most perfect plan that could have possibly have been for my life because it has led to so much and so many good things. 
And so we got to understand, first of all, to be his workmanship means to submit to his blueprint for your life. We don't get to look like we want to look. We don't get to live like we want to live. If you are his workmanship, you are his belonging, you are his vessel, and you will do and line up with what he has said for our lives. That's hard for people to swallow because we just want to do whatever we want to do. But the reality of being part of the kingdom of God means you line up with the kingdom principles. The good news is, is by the working of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's grace and mercy, that's not so tedious after all. That's not such a sacrifice because as you grow in your relationship with him and as you go through this process of being worked on, you start to enjoy that life. And to those things that you used to love and cherish, you no longer love and cherish because you found a new love and his name is Jesus. The other thing we got to understand about being his workmanship is that first or second of all is, is it's not just the fact that he's working on us, but it's his quality of work. See, have you ever watched one of those HGTV shows where they're remodeling houses? And we were watching one the other day called uh, Beach House Renovation. And, and it, I, I was already thinking of this message and praying about it. And we were watching it. And uh, he's going through this house, one of the judges of the house. And he, he, he's looking around and he goes, wow, this is some good workmanship. In another house, he said, this workmanship has many flaws. And it dawned on me that in this scripture, it's not just a matter of him, a statement of him just working on us, but it's a statement about the quality of the work that God does in our life. He doesn't halfway work on us. He doesn't just willy-nilly slap us together and throw us together, but no, he carefully, as he told Jeremiah, he carefully and and thoughtfully knitted us together, knit us together in our mother's wombs. The Bible tells us that he knows every hair on our head, and for some of us that's easier to count than others. But the reality is, is God does not just willy-nilly care for us, but he deeply cares for us, and the quality time he puts into us, the amount of thought he put into us is so deep that we can't even comprehend it with our own minds. But so many of us walk around like, we're just here. I get that God created the universe, God created me, but what's so special about that? What's special is you are not here by mistake. Your life has meaning, your life has purpose, and he has very carefully and thoughtfully knit you together, put a plan and purpose in for your life. And it's a good plan. Ephesians tells us that we were put here for good works. And you see, the thing you got to understand is this, this type of work is artistry. It's an art form. He molded us and shaped us out of the dust of the earth originally. It was an art form. He was sculpting us and molding us. And the thing you got to understand about understanding your purpose here on this world and your value and your place is that the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Has anybody ever been to an art museum before? 
There was one we went to we were back when we were getting ready to get married. We were looking at a place to have our wedding and everything. And within it, they had this art studio that people created art, and then they sold it there. And I'm walking through it, and I wish I still had the picture of it because I would share it with you today. They put a price tag of $700 on this little probably 5-inch by 5-inch square of paper. And all it had was like a blob, like somebody dipped a sponge in ink and stuck it to the paper and pulled it off. That's exactly what it looked like. And, and I'm, I'm looking at this thing, I'm like, how in the world is this thing worth $700? How? How? There, it's, I could do, I've seen preschoolers do work like this. But God spoke to me at that time and he began to tell me, he says, it's because you don't know who made it. You see, there are people in your life that will look at you and look at what God's doing in your life and they will try to belittle it. They will try to put it down. They, the, the enemy himself will look at you and put lies in your own head to try to get you to put yourself down and to, and to devalue the work God's doing in your life in and of yourself. But the reality of it is, is when you understand who the artist is and the one who is molding you and, and shaping you, then you begin to understand why it's so valuable. If I were to draw a stick figure on a piece of paper, it would be worth nothing. If Vincent Van Gogh or uh, one of the other famous artists out there were to draw a stick figure, it would be worth millions. Why? Just because it was Vincent Van Gogh. Not because a stick figure is complicated and hard to draw, or because there's anything special about the paper or the ink that he used. It was because of who held the pen and who put the drawing on the piece of paper is why it would be held to be so valuable. And you need to understand today that as you are his workmanship, you contain value in your life because of who made you and created you. And the work he is doing in your life is valuable. And the great part about that work is it doesn't stop until we make our way to heaven. So no matter where you are at in your life, you still have value. Whether you're young or you're on the older side of things, you still have value in your life. And God still has a plan and a purpose for you in your life. There's always more to be had. We need to understand this morning that while being workmanship, we are works in progress. Like I just mentioned, this work continues on until we go be with Jesus in heaven. The Bible says that he who began a good work in us completes it until the day of Christ. In other words, we are continuously being shaped and molded until we go be with him in heaven. And you need to understand today that while you may not be who you are going to be, you are not who you used to be. It's easy to look at where you at you are at now and to look at the potential of your own self in the future and become discouraged. To have all these hopes and dreams and, and things that God has put in your heart to see yourself as in the future and to become discouraged by who you are now. But one way you could encourage yourself is to look at who you used to be and see how far you've come from where you used to be. Because I, I believe that although we have not yet attained all that God has for us, and many of us have many, many more years to go till we get to that, 
But if we were to look back at who we used to be five years ago, ten years ago, even maybe a year ago, or six months ago for some people, you would be amazed and you would be encouraged to know that you are not who you used to be. And although you still have a long journey to go, you can be encouraged to know that if God brought you this far, he'll take you the rest of the way. We are works in progress. And that means you need to be patient with yourself and patient with the process because God is molding and shaping us all into a perfect vessel to be used by him. We actually see an example of this in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah chapter 18, God speaks to Jeremiah and and says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. The word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. God gives his prophet this imagery of what it's like to go through the process of being developed and shaped and molded into all that the potter has designed and thought for this clay find it interesting that he uses clay because where does clay come? Clay comes from the earth. If you look back in Genesis, where did we come from? We came from the dust of the earth. He's drawing a comparison here and he's saying, just like I started out pulling you out of the dust of the earth and begin to separate the clay from the uselessness and begin to take you and put you on my wheel and form you, so also I'm doing now. It's, it's a beautiful thing to look at this imagery because it, the potter paints a beautiful picture. He puts this clay on the wheel and he begins to spin the wheel. And he begins to put his hands on the clay and begins to shape it and mold it. And, and I love it because when he sits down to make whatever vessel he's going to make, he's already got it determined in his head what it's going to look like. Like Ephesians 2 told us, he prepared beforehand good works for us to do. When he put us on his wheel, he began to shape and mold us with an end in mind. And all we have to do is walk in what he's given us to do. As he puts his hands on us and he's shaping us and molding us, all we have to do is allow him to do so. To not resist the work he is doing, and let him complete what he has started on the wheel. One of the frustrating parts about being on the wheel is that the wheel stays in one place for a long period of time, and it just spins, and sometimes life can feel like we're just going in circles. But rest assured in those moments where you are in one place, you're not necessarily stuck, but rather you are planted. 
to where you can experience the growth, where you can experience development. And he, the wheel spins, and, and you feel like you're going through these motions, and you're just spinning in place. Why? Because when it's on the wheel, when the clay is on the wheel, and it's spinning, it's so that the potter can touch all sides of the clay. When you're on the wheel, and you're spinning, and you're growing, and you're being developed... God is touching all sides of your life, every area of your life. As he molds and shapes you, he doesn't leave any part of you untouched and unworked. He does not leave any part of us behind. If if the potter was just to put the clay on there and just begin to mold it, he may miss a side of it. But because it's spinning and moving, he's able to shape all sides at all times and to grow it evenly and balanced so that when the finished product is there, it doesn't have the flaws. It doesn't have weird things protruding out. and, and, and He makes it and molds it into his perfect image that he has in store for it. And if he doesn't get all sides of it, it won't come out right. But the Bible tells us something about this clay as it's spinning on this wheel. And it's that as the potter is working on it, some translations say that the pottery, the clay, became spoiled. Some say it was marred. Either way, Somewhere in the process, something happened where the clay did not match up properly with the potter's hands, and there was some damage that occurred in this process. And I find many times as we go through this process, you find yourself, and I have found myself, to be in moments of pain and hurt, Moments where the marring comes from rebellion and disobedience. Sometimes the marring comes from the pressures of life. Sometimes the the hurt comes from whatever source. But the reality of it is, is somewhere in the process you are bound to experience some kind of hurt in your life. Nobody goes through life without scars. At some point, we all get hurt. At some point, we all get damaged. At some point, we have heartbreak. At some point, we have loss. At some point, we are betrayed. At some point, something happens to us where we become damaged. But what I love about the potter is that the Bible says the potter does not throw the clay away. He doesn't just toss it out because something bad happened. He doesn't dispose of the clay and get something totally different because there was a heartbreak or a failure or a hurt or a suffering in the life of this clay. No, the Bible says that he reworks it. And he continues to work on it and mold it. And he says rework it. Why? Because now that there's been damage, something has to shift, something has to change, and the potter has to focus on that little area that became damaged so that he can put it back in place to where it was supposed to be. 
That's a beautiful, beautiful testament of the grace of God in our life. That when we become marred, that when we become hurt, that when we become damaged, God does not throw us out. He does not dispose of us. Rather, He puts His hands on us and continues to work. And actually what we find in this scripture is that it says the pottery was, the clay was damaged in the hands of the potter. What that says is that regardless of what was happening with the clay, the hands of the potter stayed on the clay. Not only does he rework us, but he doesn't even take our hand, his hands off of us. He continues to keep his hands upon us even in our moments of great failure of great hurt. Whether it be your own fault or whether it be because something happened to you, God's hand remains upon us through the whole process. He doesn't ever abandon us. That is such a beautiful thing. I remember taking an art class in high school, and I was not anywhere near an artist level. But I remember we made these clay vessels, and we had to go through this process of clearing out all the air bubbles and, and all this because we learned that there's a problem that can happen when there's flaws in the clay because there's a process that comes after the vessel is made called firing it. And we learned that if we were not careful in how we formed it and shaped it and molded it, when we came to put it in the kiln for it to be fired and, and heated, it's like this really hot oven, the vessel could actually explode and break apart. And the interesting thing is that when the vessel exploded within the kiln, it actually caused damage to the other vessels that were in there with it. And so we had to be careful to make sure that we were so delicate working with this clay. And I never would have thought it would have been so, so tedious, but we would make sure every air bubble was out of it, every flaw was out of it, because there was a moment where the vessel was put in a fire to be solidified. And if the, the clay was not carefully constructed beforehand and great care was not given to it, the fire would destroy it rather than sustain it and solidify it. You see, when we talk about the great care that the potter puts into this clay, the potter knows that there's going to become a moment in time where there's going to be a fire that is to be faced. The potter knows that at some point in time, the, the vessel and the clay that he has been molding and shaping is going to have a time where it's going to be placed in this insanely hot oven. And one of two things can happen. Either it can be destroyed by the fire, or it can be solidified and verified by the fire. And I thank God that we have a potter whose hands are upon us that works so intricately and delicately with us and puts us through this, 
molding process so delicately and carefully that when it comes time for us to be placed into the heat and into the fire to be fired, that it is not in a way that we will be destroyed, but rather it will solidify who we are and who he's created us to be. And the reality is, is we will all experience a firing moment in our life. It's part of the process. It's, it's the final step in our workmanship. And, you know, the reality of it is, is there's probably going to be multiple fires that you face. But I've also learned that through that class, that if it wasn't fully solidified the first time, it had to be put back in again. And I find that in our life, God is consistently and always like I mentioned earlier, working on us. And sometimes that means we experience multiple fires in our life. But when you're in the hands of the potter and God's hands are upon your life, that fire is not something that will destroy you, but rather solidify you. Because the end result is God wants us to be a vessel that is created for good works. He wants us to be used for His glory. He wants us to carry His presence within us as a vessel. He wants us to carry His Holy Spirit. He wants us to carry the gospel message. He wants us to carry His grace and mercy. But we can't do that until we have been shaped and molded into who He wants us to be. I'm getting ready to close this morning. And I want to leave you all with this. There are times where you will feel like the pressure is just overwhelming and intense in this process. There are times when you feel like you just consistently face the fire. And, I, and I'll be real with you, there, this, this pottery work that he does on us, I've, I've come to learn is not just a one-time work. He is always shaping and molding us. And there are many different things He wants to do in our life. And it's almost like each one of us is being shaped and molded into multiple vessels. Because we find ourselves being shaped and molded and transformed multiple times. It's like God has so many good works for us as individuals to do then it almost seems like we're always in this process. And, and sometimes that seems like a discouraging thing, but what I want you to leave here with today is understanding that we are works in progress, and although the work seems to always go on, the work is always leading to something good. God's plan and purpose for our life is not to destroy us. In fact, he told Jeremiah, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope, and a future. He told Jeremiah that he knit him together in his mother's womb so carefully and delicately. He knew him before he was born. He called him before he was born. And before our parents ever met each other, before our grandparents ever met each other, God had you and I in mind. And it's to create us for something wonderful for His kingdom and His glory. 
Yes, the process can be hard and it can be long and it can be difficult and trying. But when you understand who the potter is and you understand the work that he does in our life, all of a sudden you can find great peace in the fact that you are on the potter's wheel. Why? Because you can trust the potter to do what he does. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?